Hi, and welcome to the second episode in our LiveWise series, Creativity Equations. So in this series, I'm hoping to jumpstart the creativity that lies within each one of us by providing simple equations just to help us think through ideas or projects that we're working on and problem solving as well. So today we're gonna to start by looking at the three steps to creativity. The first one is imagination. The Bible says this, let us make man in our own image. Imagination is the ability to bring to mind something that doesn't exist in any of our senses. It's a step on from memory. Uh, with memory, we remember things that we've experienced before, but the only benefit of memory is the ability to do the same thing, but execute it better. Imagination brings new ideas. Imagination brings things that don't exist into reality. At least they could if they go through the other two steps. The second step is inclination. Inclination is the tendency or the urge or the passion to make that thing that's in the imagination actually happen. So the Bible goes on to continue and says this. So God created mankind in his own image. He had the Im imagination and then he had the inclination to make it happen. You see, imagination on its own doesn't help anybody. You can be creative in the sense of you can imagine things, you can fantasize, but it doesn't really help anybody do anything. It doesn't really serve any purpose, just lying on your bed, being imaginative. Uh, children are imaginative. Uh, as adults, we need to mature and have the inclination to make these things happen. Or as the writer Seth Godin once said, I hope we can agree that there's a moral obligation to be honest, to treat people with dignity and respect, and to help those in need. I wonder if there is a moral obligation to start. I believe there is. God can give us imagination, but then he's hoping that we have the inclination and the passion and the love for people and the love for him to actually make something happen. But that's not the third and final step. The third and final step is innovation. Innovation is the process of putting an original idea into practice. The Bible continues to say, male and female, he created them. I think this is important for us to grasp that creativity is not imagination. Creativity is actually a process. Let me just read uh, one more thing to you. Those who have the ability to imagine new services and new opportunities and new ways to recruit are the new untouchables. Those with the imagination to invent smarter ways to do old jobs, energy-saving ways to create new services, new ways to attract customers, or new ways to combine existing technologies will thrive. That's from the book Out of Our Minds by Sir Ken Robinson. I think I said in the last episode, the ability to know things, knowledge will decrease in value and wisdom will grow in value over the coming years because knowledge is easier to obtain, but wisdom and the ability to innovate is less easy and it's less, um, less you see less of it around. And so those of us who can do that will become more and more valuable to society and the kingdom of God. 
With that in mind, let's look at our first workshop. Can you give an example of when you had imagination but not the inclination to innovate? Have there been times when you've had an idea but you've never actually seen it come into reality? And what stopped you? And I'd like you to draw some kind of diagram just to show what you think the process should have been and what the process actually was. Could be a really simple diagram, something straightforward you can create to show people this is what actually happened and really this is probably what should have happened based on the idea of those three steps. Um, imagination, inclination, innovation. Great, in five minutes, uh, just take five minutes please and then we'll look at the next equation. So in the first episode, we looked at uh, this idea of emptiness, that God is drawn to emptiness. And the thing that stops creativity is not a lack of resource, it's too much fullness. It's a lack of emptiness. However, now we're going to look at a different subject, almost the opposite of that, which is tension. God uses tension to give us creativity. Let me read from a scripture to show how this works. In Genesis 1 verse 3, it says this, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So the word tension really means to be stretched tight. And in this passage of scripture, when it talks about the expanse, the new, uh, sorry, the King James Version talks about a firmament, uh, this idea of a firm support. In other words, God, God stretched things apart and it created this third um, place, if you like, this, this third state of being. He stretched things and created a third thing. And we're going to look at what that looks like as we think about tension. The fact is, though, that we don't like tension in our lives, do we? In fact, there are, there are sometimes times when we think that tension is the opposite of what God wants to do. But I want to challenge that. So I'm going to read something from uh, one of my books just to really help us understand, um, I think, the misunderstanding we have about peace and tension. So let me read to you from Peace, which is a mini chapter in The Seed and the Cloud. A few years ago, I was trying to help a couple of colleagues deal with the disappointments that one had with the leadership style of the other. We walked into a very small office that just about fit the three of us, and the leader brought out his guitar. He desperately wanted to start with worship because, in my opinion, he desperately wanted to delay the conversation. I stopped the impromptu singing session as I could see his team member was simply just too frustrated and first needed to talk. I was, of course, blamed by the leader for stifling the Holy Spirit. 
we must understand that there is a distinct difference between being at rest with God about a decision and no longer feeling a battle in our emotions. Life will become more peaceful when we fail to pursue a godly course of action and disengage with difficult people. In fact, if we push the self-escape button, we will often immediately feel peace, but we are likely to suffer the consequences after an initial respite. I have seen many people opt out of a commandment and in doing so self-eject into a spiritual wilderness where they wonder and wonder why they seem so unable to find God's path. They misinterpreted the instant relief that comes to all humans when we relinquish a responsibility with the supernatural peace that comes from the divine. And it's a problem. Why? Because misdirection comes when we seek peace above purpose. I find that a lot, uh, particularly in Christian circles, people talking about having peace in this and peace in that. But when you actually look at the Bible, look at what Jesus went through and Paul the Apostle went through, there was so much tension around and yet that led to so much creativity. In fact, you could say if necessity is the mother of invention, then in my mind, tension is creativity's annoying little brother. I found that tension can be a wonderful thing and it's helped me be creative in many ways. Let me look at the first of them. Tension creates understanding. I was once given a, a picture. What I mean by that is somebody once said, I have this idea in my imagination of how God's going to use you in the future. And they said, it's a bit like a washing line. You know, if you have a washing line tied to one pole, it just falls on the, flat, uh, on the floor and can't be used for anything. But a washing line needs to be stretched and tensed between two poles. And when it's stretched between two poles, a washing line is purposeful and useful and you can hang washing on it. And they said to me, I believe that God will um, stretch you between two separate forces. And in that way, you're going to be useful to the kingdom. It was a phenomenally accurate word because what happened next was, of course, I created Pays, this kind of uh, organization, but then I always worked with the local church and Pays always works with the local church. And it's the tension created by both that gave rise to an organization that's growing around the world, uh, an organization that's neither church, but is neither parachurch either. It's something new, it's something unique, and the relationship, yeah, I've not actually seen many things like it at all. I've seen churches with um, internship programs, I've seen parachurches that say, hey, give us the money, church, and we'll go off and do it, but I've not seen many things like pays with that kind of tension. So tension can create um, new ideas because we have an understanding of both different camps. I understand the local church, I've been a church pastor. I understand parachurch organizations because I've run an organization. And because of that, we've been able to create this third idea, if you like. So tension creates understanding. Secondly, tension creates motivation. Let me ask you a question. Imagine two people were about to have a swimming race and they both uh, started at one side of the pool and were gonna race to the other side of the pool. If one person was three foot closer, one person was three foot away from the wall, nearer their objective, and one person was by the wall, who would win the race if they started at the same time? 
think about it. The answer, of course, is the person by the wall. It's not the person nearer the objective because the person by the wall can push away from the wall and it motivates them and moves them quicker through the water. With that in mind, many years ago, God started to talk to me about some new ideas, but then sent me somewhere that I thought was going to be quite progressive, but actually it turned out to be quite old-fashioned. So suddenly there was this tension in my life. There were things that God was showing me, but the environment I was in was, was more um, a little bit more backward, even from where I'd just been. But that tension was brilliant because what it did was it gave me something concrete to move away from. It kind of motivated me. I thought, God's leading me to this, but rather than just kind of starting in the middle of a pool somewhere, I had something concrete to push away from. I knew what it was that God was saying to me, it shouldn't be like. I don't know if that makes sense, but one of the benefits, as I said before, is that tension can create motivation. God puts us in a place to show us things that we want to move away from, as well as putting us into place where he wants to inspire us and show us things to move to. The third thing about tension is this. Tension creates character. A while back, there was some research into the five things that most built culture uh, from a leader, the five things that a leader could do to build culture. And interestingly, one of those top five things was how a leader copes with a crisis. How a leader copes with crises and tension is a big factor in setting the character of an organization or a church or a team. The Bible says this, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us. So why exactly does character bring hope? Well, first of all, let's uh, make sure we clarify something. Tension can bring character it can lead to perseverance and character only if we respond well to the tension otherwise it can send us in a slippery slope if we if we struggle with the pressure that god puts us under from time to time we can go away and it it decreases our character i remember a, a woman coming up to me many years after she was on pays because her father had told her hey if you don't like something if you find it too difficult just give up and it was one of the worst pieces of advice she'd ever uh, being given and she came to me to apologize because it had led her to give up on something that she'd committed to and she really really regretted it so why does character bring hope it does so because people with character finish what they start people with character say i'm going to be there at such a time and they're there early and they're on time and that gives us hope we can believe in those kind of people and that leads to praise for what we do and i want to I give you an example of this through an amazing story that's actually a true story uh, and it happened on an on a airline one day. This happened on a TAM airline flight. A 50-year-old white woman arrived at her seat and saw that the passenger next to her was a black man. Visibly furious, she called the air hostess. What's the problem? The hostess asked her. Can't you see, the lady said, I was given a seat next to a black man. I can't sit next to him. You have to change my seat. Please calm down, said the hostess. Unfortunately, all these seats are occupied, but I'm still going to check if we have any. The hostess left and returned some minutes later. Madam, as I told you, there isn't any empty seat in this class, economy class, 
but I spoke to the captain and even he confirmed that we only have seats in the first class. And before the woman said anything, the hostess continued, look, it's unusual for our company to allow a passenger from the economy class change to the first class. However, given the circumstances, the pilot thinks it would be a scandal to make a passenger travel set next to such an unpleasant person. And turning to the black man, the hostess said, which means, sir, if you would be so nice as to pack your bags, we've reserved a seat for you in our first class cabin. And all the passengers nearby who were shocked to see the scene started applauding, some even standing to their feet. You see, sometimes when there's tension, we run from it, but actually tension can lead to character. And when we deal with things well, when we're under pressure, often it can lead to praise and people getting on board with who we are and what we're attempting to do. So I would encourage you, do not see creativity as a tool to dispel tension. Instead, see tension as a tool to dispel the status quo. With that in mind, let's look at our next workshop. First, I'm going to show you a, a short video that is very simple, but I quite enjoyed. Listen to uh, everything that this gentleman says in this short clip. I'm used to thinking of the TED audience as a wonderful collection of some of the most effective, intelligent, intellectual, um, savvy, worldly, and innovative people in the world. And I think that's true. However, I also have reason to believe that many, if not most of you, are actually tying your shoes incorrectly. Now, now I, I, I know that seems ludicrous. I know that seems ludicrous. And believe me, I, I lived the same sad life until about three years ago. Uh, and what happened to me was I bought what, what was for me a very expensive pair of shoes, but those shoes came with round nylon laces, and I couldn't keep them tied. So I went back to the store and said to the owner, I love the shoes, but I hate the laces. He took a look and said, oh, you're tying them wrong. Now, up until that moment, I would have thought that by age 50, one of the life skills that I had really nailed was tying my shoes, but not so. Let me demonstrate. This is the way that most of us were taught to tie our shoes. Now, as it turns out, thank you. Uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, but, but, but wait, there's more. As it turns out, there's a strong form and a weak form of this knot. And we were taught to tie the weak form. And here's how to tell. If you pull the strands at the base of the knot, you can see that the bow will orient itself down the long axis of the shoe. That's the weak form of the knot, but not to worry. If we start over and simply go the other direction around the bow, we get this, the strong form of the knot, and if you pull the cords under the knot, you will see that the bow orients itself along the transverse axis of the shoe. This is a stronger knot. It will come untied less often. It will let you down less, and not only that, it looks better. We're going to do this one more time. Start as usual. Go the other way around the loop. This is a little hard for children, but I think you can handle it. Pull the knot. There it is, the strong form of the shoe knot. Now, in keeping with today's theme, I'd like to point out, and something you already know, that sometimes a small advantage someplace in life can yield tremendous results someplace else. <laughs> Live long and prosper. 
I don't know if you noticed what he said there, but he said this, we tie our shoes this way, even though it's not the best way, because when we were younger, we were told this is the easiest way of doing it. That's what we were told. We were shown how to tie our laces in the easiest way possible, but not the best way possible. And that's a problem as we get older. It makes me think about the stories we tell children in church to make it easier for them to understand. You know, we talk to them about Noah's Ark and we have pictures of giraffes with their heads sticking out of a window and a hippopotamus with a sailor's hat on. And it's easier for them to understand, but it's limiting later on because it makes them think how silly can that story possibly be. And I wonder if, as we look at this workshop, we can ask ourselves the question, what else were you told because it was easier but not better? I'd like you to discuss that just for a minute or two. What else were you told, particularly maybe as a younger Christian, that was easier, but the more you look at it, you realize it's not the best way, it's just the easiest way, and now it's limiting you. And that's what a lack of creativity does. When we dumbed things down to make it simpler for people, so often what we do is we limit their creativity. We limit the way they think later on. So please address that question and just chat about it for a few moments. What else were you told because it was easier but not better? You know, I'd be interested to know what you came up with there. But for now, let's look at our third section and final section to this Live Why episode. Let's look at the actual equation and let's start by reading another Bible verse. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I don't know if you notice the tension there. Uh, in me you're going to have peace, but in this world you're going to have trouble. And why are we going to have trouble? Because of the peace we have in Jesus. So there's a tension there that Jesus is setting up because he knows it's going to lead to something. Now the word there for trouble is the Greek word thripsis which means putting a lot of pressure on that which is free and unfettered. So we want to be free and unfettered, but actually Jesus knows that because we're in him, we will have this pressure put upon us. And that's going to lead to something new, that tension, if we allow it to. Now, uh, Edward de Bono said this, Creative genius comes from finding new associations between existing realities. In other words, um, when there's tension, when there are things that seem to be opposite or opposing or similar but not connected, if you can see the principle that connects things, that will lead you to uh, be creative, that will lead to wisdom. I, I love that thought because I like coming up with principles. So what can we learn about this? How do we, how do we use tension to our advantage? Well, let me put up uh, the equation for this episode. Let me explain this equation to you. Creativity is seen when we add the force of tension to our purpose. So purpose plus the force of tension equals creativity. So in the last episode, we looked at emptiness and we came up with an equation where we have a plan, we take away the main way we would normally do that, we fill the gaps with new ideas that we wouldn't normally think of. We put that default idea back in, but now we have new ideas that we're forced or we've been forced to think of. In this 
particular equation, we do the opposite. Instead of taking something out, we imagine a problem we don't have and see what ideas that we come up with to face that problem. Then we take that problem away and now we've got some new ideas that we didn't previously have. I do this quite often when I'm planning something, I think of potential problems, I imagine problems, and it gives me ideas I wouldn't have normally come up with. So with that in mind, let's look at our workshop. Please think about an area of your work that requires creativity. Then look at your worksheet. If the first pole is your vision, imagine the second pole is something that would pull away from it. It must be something you bring to mind that is not present to your senses. On the washing line, put any idea you now want to include because of that tension. Then add these to your present ideas. So you have the pole that is your vision, and then you have the other pole, which is a problem works against it. Just imagine that, what, what would you do to get around that problem and see if that gives you some ideas that you wouldn't normally have had. Take that problem away and put those ideas on the washing line. Simple example, just to help you be a little bit more creative by jump-starting what's already in you. Hopefully this has been helpful. In the next episode, we're gonna look at our third and final creativity equations. These equations are so simple, they're simply here to get our juices flowing. Hopefully it's helpful to you. Thanks for listening, goodbye.